you are beautiful, you are so strong, you're amazing. Like Every day of life is a blank sheet of paper. More happy days in our lives. Small, small changes. You had to just be with life. To really practice mindfulness. I am not my thought. It's not easy, but it's very simple. If you put those two things together, you know, the sky is the limit. Loba Boys, welcome to the show and thank you for being here and it's night wherever you are so even more thank you to you bigger thank you oh thanks for having the show I think it's about 12 hours difference or, or 13 hours difference so it's well, gonna be a good time like yeah, it's like <laughs> bright and shiny your side of the screen and it's almost midnight over here so yes it, it's like 11.06 a.m. here, so. Okay, okay, yeah, so 12 hours, straight up. <laughs> yes, I like to let my guests introduce themselves because you know yourself the best and yeah. you, you feel what you should say today because every day is unique. Every day we are, we are different and unique. So, but in a, to make it a little bit fun, let's imagine there is a commercial about you one to like five minutes or maybe your friends are talking about you what would the commercial say about Flobo? and it can be about your personal life it can be about what you do but just whatever you yeah. feel guided to say it's one of those commercials where everyone talks forever but uh i tell people that now i am a podcaster a host an entertainer a stand-up comedian an author a middle distance runner i do video game commentary or casting and i kind of put myself wherever i need to be also i i'm also a dj i would dj weddings so if you're ever getting married you know if you're ever at a bar mitzvah or something you let me a call i'll dj it as well I like that. What do you think? Because you mentioned such a different like comedy and DJ and all of those things. Do you think there is, other than you, anything common that all of those things that you do have? Yeah, it's all entertainment. It's all it's all entertainment. Most of it's live, except for the writing stuff. But like the DJ stuff, the the stand up comedy, the hosting thing is really working with an audience, making sure people are engaged, whether or not it's a podcast or a nightclub or anything like that. So yeah, I think it's a kind of a, a through line between all that stuff. Why comedy? And do you think like everyone who is in comedy has to have a good humor or just good jokes or a good a way of storytelling. I always wonder what is it that makes a comedian a good comedian? I'll answer that first. I think everyone has something that's different. Like, so, so growing up, it was about like the punchline, right? Take my wife, please. Or isn't it funny where this or that? And I think comedy has changed over the last 10 years or 15 years where people want to know more about you, your background, how you were raised. It's more storytelling. So you can be a good storyteller and be a comic. You can tell good jokes and be a comic. You can be very physical, use your whole body on stage and be a comic. But for me, I grew up watching The Tonight Show. Uh, or it was kind of like talk shows at night and everyone would have like the little stand-up, a little monologue. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I thought it was something I would never try, but we can probably get into it. I had a near-death experience uh, back in 2013 and I almost died. And I said, if I survive, then I'll definitely try comedy. So in 2014, I tried comedy for the first time. It's pretty fun. Uh, granted, the, the pandemic kind of slowed up a bit, but I have a couple albums out there for people to listen to and hear my style. Wow, I like that. I like how you said because I always thought that a comedian should have at least like good storyteller and good humor. And you just said like it can be one of those. So yeah. I really like that. 
what was your near why was what happened in 2010? oh yeah so so i was i was a very heavy kid or every adult so i was i was very fat basically mm -hmm. <laughs> and i had lost a bunch of weight i lost 175 pounds altogether uh, eating right and exercising but so i had all this excess skin so i had the surgery to get the skin removed um but one day uh my the part they re-sewed me up the 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 suture line the uh the stitch line had reopened and i almost bled out at home after having uh the, the surgery so i had the cosmetic surgery to get the skin removed but then i almost bled out and i thought i was going to pass away that night because i couldn't stop the bleeding um, but I remember on the couch that day and I had two big regrets. Well, there's always like small regrets, right? I wish I had more money. I wish I did more things, but the two big regrets was I, I wanted to ride a motorcycle and I wanted to try stand up. And so I said, if I ever survived the night, then I'll try those. And so, uh, the next day I woke up and my tire wound had like clotted up and began to heal. And so six months later for my birthday, I went out and took a comedy class, uh, here in Los Angeles and I've been doing comedy ever since. And I got my motorcycle license, so I got that done too. <laughs> oh my God, that that is wonderful. What what role has comedy in your life? Is it just for your entertainment, or is it self-expression for you? It's a little bit of both. I mean, when I was a kid, what was cool about comics, especially because my parents were working class, is that they didn't ever. My parents never laughed a lot. They weren't they weren't funny people. They were very stern because they worked long hours. They 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 fed us and they went to bed. Uh, but when we watch shows like Leno or Letterman or those uh, Jimmy Fallon, what came after, uh, you would see your parents laugh. And that was the first time you really saw them having a good time. And I realized that comedy, at least on that level, wasn't so much of come out to a show and laugh. It was really, hey, look, we're delivering good times to you on a daily basis. So it became like the service. And so I said to be able to have a chance to do that to other people, to alleviate their hardship from them, would be kind of cool. So uh, growing up, I always like that idea of, of learning how to make my material accessible but still be myself so when someone hears it they go okay yeah cool you made my day how do you uh when you are telling a joke or saying a joke or you are doing a stand-up how do you let your ego go because your ego is like not letting you do and let leave you the, the comfort zone because it has defined this is you you don't do this you don't do that how, or is it just a flow state where you just forget everything I mean, everyone has their own thing, but if you're asking me personally, I like to think of myself as more of an athlete when I, when I perform comedy, like you can, you can practice your jokes all day. Like you can train all day, but if you make a shot on goal and you miss, you, uh, you miss. And that's something you have to be able to be comfortable with. You have to be okay with missing. And if you miss a lot, then you can say, okay, maybe I would change my training or maybe change that joke or maybe uh, practice mm. some more. Um, the moment you start saying or get into your feelings where like, oh man, you guys are supposed to laugh at this part, but not that part, then you kind of lose them because no one every crowd is different and they're not going to laugh when you think they're going to laugh so it's always good to think of it as i'm gonna tell you a story i'm gonna tell you how i feel about this subject and then take the laughs as they come how important is the laughter how like the, when the audience laughs is it so like are a lot of comedians attached to the laughter on and how can you let go as you said like oh i know every audience is different how do you let go that because we want to belong we want to like people to laugh yeah. at our jokes how do you let that go and how important is 
Wow. Actually, laughs are secondary. So when you first start doing comedy, you want to be able to, everyone wants to be able to do joke, 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 joke. And what happens mm. is if too many jokes come at, at quickly, y'all, your audience will tune out and go, okay, this guy is just spitting jokes, but mm. there's nothing attached to it. So I'll always say the most important thing as a stand-up is to be entertaining. Uh, you don't have to be telling a joke, but if you're telling a story before the joke and I'm hanging on every word, like what happened next, what happened next, and then you give me the tragedy or you, then you give me the comedy, then you know that the crowd is in the palm of your hand. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I would say when you get to that first year, that second year under your belt, you learn to slow things down. You learn to like to elaborate detail. You learn to say, okay, no, I really feel awkward here. I'm gonna make you feel awkward as an audience. So they get to have more of a journey and they can associate with you. They can identify with you rather than be mm. like, okay, all right, joke. All right, joke, joke, joke. It's like, every, we all have that one uncle at a barbecue that doesn't tell us all these jokes. And it's like, okay, you're not funny. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And it seems to me as you evolve as a comedian, not you personal, but you just become more present and you're able to feel the audience rather than think what audience audience wants. It just, maybe you get the feel of it. So you feel yourself, you feel the audience and then intuitively you can just make moves and say words that will bring you the joy and bring the joy to the audience and then the laughter and everything just comes out. Absolutely. When you start out, you recite. You basically recite your jokes. You go, here's my time. I'm going to tell you the joke I practice, the joke I practice. But like you said, once you get more seasoned, then you can take time with pauses or if the audience says something, you can stop your joke and go and, and interact with them. And it becomes mm -hmm. a, a lot more of the performance side of things. In fact, if a comic doesn't go on stage, that's the first thing that goes. You go back into, you say, okay, I'm going to tell my jokes because you know the jokes are things you worked on. But when you're able to, to, to balance what you worked on and what the, what the audience is giving to you as an energy thing, then that was to become something people go, oh my gosh, what a night. I'm going to buy the ticket next time he's in town, that sort of thing. Hmm. How did you, why, you said you're a DJ and you do weddings and stuff. How did yeah. you find yourself being a DJ? Do you just love the music or? Oh, no, that's not how it happened at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was, I was in between jobs. I was in between jobs and I didn't know a thing about DJing. In fact, I was, as you could tell by my voice, uh, 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 what do you call it? A ring announcer. So I did professional wrestling. Like the following contest is scheduled for one fall. That sort of thing. Um, and I applied to an, an ad. I don't know if you have it out there, but Craigslist, right? A, a Craigslist yeah. ad or one of those like uh, job listing ads. And I went to an MC company to be a host for these weddings. You know, please welcome Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um, they were just shorthanded. And they said, hey, look, we'll train you how to be a DJ if you can bring your voice. Because most DJs are the opposite. Most DJs are so good at the music that they don't want to announce when dances are they don't want to announce couples when they come through mm -hmm. but couples remember that they remember feel like a million dollars when they go through that door so i went to their training class and i did a bunch of terrible weddings the dj with this company like i i don't know how they even paid me i was terrible i was awful um but after after two years or so of doing that um i realized i was good enough to go out there on my own so like uh, and it became my day job so whereas I used to work nine to five in an office and then DJ twice a month. Now what I know I have the skills to DJ and my MC skills, I get to DJ six, eight, 10 weddings a month under my own banner. Wow. That's amazing. And what, what do you think um, in, during the weddings and especially in the United States, people pay so much to have mm -hmm. weddings and they spend so much money. Do you think are those, it's just the question I'm curious, like are, 
are people like truly joyful during those weddings or it just differs to wedding to wedding? Right? Are they truly enjoying it because they spent so much energy, time and money to yeah, have that wedding? I think it's the idea. I think there's very few times in your life where everything is about you. I mean, and, and I guess the United States is usually when you graduate college, when you get married and like a big milestone birthday, your 50th or 40th or whatever. So the idea of having the storybook wedding, the idea of having the fog machine and the flowing dresses is what people look for or naming their kids, right? But what happens is real life happens and no one thinks about if the caterer can't make it or if the floor is overcharged or your, your great aunt Gladys becomes overbearing. No one pictures that. So when they ramp up to their wedding, it ends up becoming a lot more stressful. So this is why as a DJ, I try to meet them early. I try to have their, mm. their songs two months out because that last month, it's just a whirlwind of family and, and food and, and getting the venue on time and deposit checks and all that. It gets to be very, very stressful. And then at the end of it, they don't remember. It's like so quick and it's over. It's like, oh, wait, <laughs> we got to send that money to something else. <laughs> yes. How do you personally use your humor in life? Because life can get challenging. We all have those challenging moments how do you use your humor or comedy in your personal life to pick yourself up those during those challenging times yeah you know well semi-professionally personally all the podcasts i host i try to put some comedy to everything but like personally one of the things i like the basis of humor is identifying your feelings and what i mean by that is when something ticks me off i sit and ask why and I go, it's absurd because of this and that. And I think a lot of times my, my material comes from that. But then sometimes you end up like laughing at something that's really like serious. And people go, what's wrong with you? You go, you have to laugh at this. Um, for example, uh, I'm not, uh, in, in Los Angeles, there, there's like, you, you can't get free plastic bags at a grocery store. You, you have to pay 10 cents. And I always hated it because I felt like if you were really, really poor, it becomes like an inverse tax, right? Like, like one time I had a dollar on my savings account and I had to buy a bag and I was like, oh, that's 10 cents. And so my, one of my early jokes was that um, on some days when I have money, I would go and buy a $10 or $20 cheeseburger, no problem. But I'm at the store when I have no money and I'm like trying to grab everything with my hands to save 10 cents. And I said, it's absurd because I should get this bag for free, for example. So I do the story of like me like out there holding oranges while things are rolling out in the parking lot and I can't grab anything. And it's just so off the wall. I go, someone has to hear this story. Like, like what kind of grown adult is like, I'd rather do this than pay 10 cents. And so I think like when you have situations that piss you off or makes you sad or makes you frustrated, uh, that could be the start of humor. Tell me about your podcast and when did you get the idea of the podcast and what is the name of the podcast and what is it about? I have uh, seven, so I'm not sure which one you're referring to. You have seven podcasts? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Well, I could do all of them if you like. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Tell me about the one that brings you the most joy. Oh, man, that, uh, oof, that's hard because that was actually uh, ending soon. Um, so I, I do a late night talk show, so I was saying, because that's what I wanted to do as a kid. I wanted to have my own late night talk show. That's what I was raised on. That airs every Monday night at 10 p.m. Pacific. Mm. That one brings you the most joy because that's one step closer to the dream. And I bring a guest on, much like your show, and I ask them questions, but I try to find the humor out of things. And it's a live chat. I get to ask them questions about what the chat says. And at the end, I get to ask, play a game with them. 
I get to do like uh, your favorite foods, or I could do like the last thing you've done today. Or there's a, a game I called called Risky Sevens, where after we laugh and have a good time, I ask them seven trivia questions. With each trivia question they get right, I donate five dollars to charity. That one's called What's Up Flobo After Out. Um, but I also have an arts and culture podcast like this one called New Amsterdam Radio, a wrestling one called Draped in Gold, a Netflix one called Global Sword on Netflix, a Star Trek one called Commander's Log, and on and so on and so on. And so How on. do you keep up with all of those podcasts? And why did you decide to have, okay, first of all, one podcast, and then I'm going to have a second one. Start on like seven podcasts? Yeah. Uh, well, one of the cool things about my day job is that it's nights and weekends because I'm a DJ, right? So that gives me my days. Um, New Am Same Radio was the first one, but that one was kind of just me talking to myself. It was talking about, you know, if you're creative, here's some tips and tricks you can do to be creative. But it really was the pandemic. The pandemic shut everything down. And basically, as a stand-up comedian, they said, what you do is non-essential. Stay home. So imagine being able, you couldn't go outside, you couldn't go to a comedy club, because again, comedy clubs are made to put people in small spaces to laugh, right? Uh, so you have all these jokes and humor and things you want to talk about, but there's no one to talk it to. And so that really started like uh, uh, the, the arts and culture podcast, doing Am Sam Radio, having guests that did the after hour show to do comedy. And I go, hey, look, I like watching wrestling on TV. Let's put comedy into wrestling. I like Star Trek. Let's do comedy for Star Trek. And it kind of cascaded. So it is kind of weird now because it, we're, we're kind of out the pandemic. We're kind of not in the pandemic, which one we're keeping. But in the thick of it, it was kind of like, how can I put humor into something else and make my skills sharp while we're alive? inside talk to me more about creativity because it seems to me as i'm hearing more and more about you you're a very creative person and mm -hmm. i think a one a person to be creative it needs to be space inside to get those ideas to get those creativity like flowing so what mm -hmm. is your own process of getting creative are there any specific questions you ask yourself on it or any specific practices that you do that helps you to be more creative Sure. The first thing I say is, how can I do it differently? Like I, when I wrote my book, uh, my first memoir this year, um, which is like my seventh book overall, that one was, okay, I've read memoirs before. I've read biographies before. Why is my story any different? Uh, yeah, my experience is on my own, but how can I write it in a way where it seems fresh? It doesn't seem like I'm just bragging about the things I did. Because no one wants to read a book where it's like, ah, I did this. So it was like finding a spin for things. Even my Star Trek show, like Star Trek, millions of fans like Star Trek, but it was like, okay, you're a comedian. You're a new fan of Star Trek. You got into it three years ago. How can you make that work with long-term fans? And I think once I figure that out, then the world is, is like my oyster. Also, on top of that, I do shower thoughts. I think in the shower a lot. And I go running in the mornings. When I go run in the mornings, I go, okay, what's on my mind? Or if I, I do like um, mental images to keep myself motivated to run. And sometimes I get ideas from that as well. So yeah, physical activity. And then me asking myself, what can I bring something different to whatever it is that I do? Tell me about your books. How many books do you have written? Uh, the one I came out with in August, Graduation Day, is my seventh. Um, it's my first nonfiction book. Yay! Woo! -hoo. Uh, so I, I, I used to write fiction. I had short stories. I had two novels, a couple anthologies, and some poetry, right? But for this one, I, was, I had this idea for a novel, but I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I've tried for years. I said, ah, forget it. But in the pandemic, I said, 
you know, when I graduated college or, or university, right? I, I guess college university, um, we have a commencement speech where someone comes over who's successful to tell you, keep at it, kids. Uh, my commencement speaker wasn't good at all. He went to Walmart. He worked at Walmart. And I go, that's not something you want to aspire to. Like I could work at Walmart without a degree. Why would I, you know? And so I said, that really stuck with me because when I was, as an adult, there is no manual. I, I don't have kids. I, I wasn't married, but there's no manual about working or, or starting a business and failing at it or uh, working through my weight loss, for example. So I said, you know what? Let me write a book to a future or ultimate version of myself Whereas if I were the commencement speaker, what I would learn as an adult. So it's called graduation day where I, every chapter has a life lesson I learned as an adult. And in the last chapter, I actually give the commencement speech. I think I would have appreciated had the guy not been working at Walmart when I graduated college. What are, what maybe a few or one thing that you are very proud that you achieved, it can be internal or outer success for me personally, both is very, very well valuable. Yeah, this is kind of a, a long setup, so bear with me. So one of the things I picked up in the pandemic- I want to hear all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Oh, I'm the perfect show for this. Um, I, I got into uh, shout casting, which is like a video game commentary. So video games are becoming very, very big. They're called esports. Uh, and sometimes some of the games have announcers, like, like sports. Like sports have announcers, video games have announcers. So I got into this game called Rocket League. Uh, basically, it's like, imagine if like uh, cars played soccer. So these, these cars are on the screen, they, they kick a ball back and forth, and they go past the net. Uh, this past weekend, there was a charity event for a local charity here in Los Angeles called the Boys and Girls Club of, Los of Hollywood, where they brought in actor Terry Crews to play this game with his kid. And Terry Crews was on the show called Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, he was on the show called America's Got Talent. It's been a big deal. And he wrote a book called Manhood. Check it out. Uh, so because this event was in Los Angeles and Terry Crews is a person of color, I got a call to moderate him playing the game and then interview him right afterwards. So imagine, like I said, my, my, my family's working class. They were immigrants. They came to the United States. They told me to get a good job. And I said, screw that. I want to be a creative. And then 15 years later, I'm actually sitting on a couch talking to a world-known actor about a video game he just played with his son. That's something you could not even make up. But it actually happened this Saturday. So it was pretty cool. It happened this Saturday? Yeah, this past Saturday, yeah. Uh, or November 5th, I think, or whatever that day was. What <laughs> were your, like, thoughts being in front of him? Um, it, One, he's like a, a dad. Like, as, as, as rippled muscles and, and, and how many Old Spice commercials, he's like a goofy dad playing with his kid. So that made it easy for me. But to be honest with you, I mean, I've been, I've been on a microphone since I was, like, 15. I had an internet radio station before podcasting. So like in some ways I was training for a long time, but the other time it was like a validation. Cause again, my mom was a nurse. She came to this country in the seventies uh, as a midwife and she became a nurse. My dad was an electrical engineer and I wanted at the time to, to uh, be an editor, a video. And that was like, Get a, like it was sacrilege. And, and I did that, got the degree in that. And I said, I want to be a filmmaker. So I went on this left journey and I thought I failed so many different times for it to come around full circle. It was like, hey, if I stay the course, maybe things might work out. Maybe it is working out. Maybe things are already working out. And I just noticed, you know? 
you have done so many things. Usually people, and no judgment to them, they do one thing, they work on that one thing, they have like, they don't even know what their passions are. So you are doing so many things, you're writing books, you're having so many podcasts, which takes a lot of inner discipline to do all of those things, which I admire. What What is the lesson that you have learned from doing all of these things? And is it so that you have already found your passion? Because people think that you do many things and you figure it out. The big passion, the big meaning we are here for. And what do you think about that? Because you have done so many things and you are the best person to ask that question. I I feel like one of the coolest things about my life now, and I'm in my mid-30s, I'm okay with saying that. Like, I'm old, y'all. Is that I got to be myself. I got to, I worked in office jobs where you have like an office name and you have an office personality and you have Mm -hmm. office friends. Uh, It it takes a lot to say I'm myself. But the one thing I learned, and I think this comes in from back to the book Graduation Day, is that there's no such thing as a job to fall back on. A lot of times they'll say, hey, look, if you want, you want to do whatever you want, that's great. Go to school and get a, uh, a business degree because there's always business. You can always fall back on business, but you can't because you can have a business degree and still be out of work. I have unemployed lawyer friends that hate their degree because they took a lawyer, a law degree because their parents encouraged them to do it. I am not saying I'm super successful, but what I'm saying is the odds of you getting the success you're thinking of is zero because if you get success, it's going to be a whole different form of success you weren't expecting. So you might as well do something you like month to month, year to year. Yeah, pay your bills. I've done crappy jobs. I I worked at Target in the stock division, which means I was I was in the in the back room. I I sold hand sanitizer door to door before the I delivered groceries with two college degrees. I was out there delivering groceries, but like to say that. My podcast generate revenue, uh, the video game stuff, I got called to do things. I was able to write books and it's all me. I'm not trying to be fake or anything. That's the real pinnacle of success for me. What is the motivation for doing all of those things? It's a little different for me because again, I was really, really heavy. So when I was 375 pounds, I don't know how many kilo that is. <laughs> uh, I was 27 stone. Um, for me, it was trying to work out. And, and working out's hard. There's not enough time out there. People get really tired and they go, you know, as you get older, it's hard to maintain. And I used to tell myself, I said, um, people who commit the most heinous crimes, criminals, uh, when they get locked up in prison, they get an hour a day to exercise, right? So what's my excuse? So now when I try to think of, hey, I would love to write a book, but I have no time. I go, hey, look, <laughs> if you get an hour a day, you could do a page here, a page there. You write a page a day, and in a year, you have 365 pages. You know, if, if yeah, your job gives you an hour of downtime, but for 20 minutes, you're watching uh, a YouTube video about how to speak a foreign language, you're still making progress. And I think that's something that's very, very important. And everyone has that, like, that, that energy meter. And when you're at E, you can't go anymore. But if you're at quarter tank and you have a, an hour of downtime, crack open a book, write a poem call a relative, you know, those are the things that you can do to really make yourself a more well-rounded person. That is so true. I remember when I was living in the U.S., I was home staying with my son. My husband was working and I was waking up at like 4.30 sometimes to do my yoga. And then all I had to, I wrote a book while I was staying with my son. He was sleeping like one hour, one hour and a half. That was all the time for myself 
-hmm. and it was I was like education over entertainment I was just like one hour is so much and if you have done a zoom meeting and you are I have arrived like two minutes before at home two minutes is so much if you use it wisely Mm -hmm. that taught me I'm like okay five minutes is so much one hour you can achieve so many things in one hour if you're just focused if you have your intention and your mind at the right place you you are such an interesting person who can talk all night for you all day for me (laughs) and because you have done so many things it's like I can never stop asking you questions because you have so many lessons and you have so many life experience um but to be mindful of your time I would love to ask you okay how many three more questions first let's go yeah first one is before I ask you my second question is there any topic before I ask you like where can people find you and your podcast and all of that is there any topic you really wanted to talk about and I just didn't just didn't get the chance to ask you the question. I think we pretty much nailed the head on the head. Like, I really feel like there's a lot of things with my name on it out there. Uh, and I think that the, the thing I've learned throughout the pandemic and, and, and as I get into, like, middle age, which is really weird, is that if you want to try something, do it. Uh, don't ask the why all the time. Also ask the how. When you meet someone who's doing it, you say, hey, look, if you want to share some tips, let me know. These are all willing to share now more than ever. I've learned that with my podcast. And if you want to try something new, YouTube is the second biggest search engine on the planet after Google. Those two will teach you pretty much anything to start with. And too often we say, I can't do that because I don't know. Then that's the first thing you do is find out how to know. I had chills. That is so true. We can. Oh, my God. You're amazing. Um, let, now, now let's talk about where can people find all of your podcasts? Where can people find you? Where can people, where can people find your books? I will link whatever you will send me everything in the description box but still if people are just listening to it let us know where can they find you I try to keep it as simple as I can. Uh, so if you want to know about the podcast I run, uh, everything is part of the new Amsterdam Entertainment Network. So that's newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam, newamsterdam.com. I'm available on Twitter at Flobo Boyce. That's F-L-O-B-O-B-O-Y-C-E. And on Instagram at Flobito, F-L-O-B-I-T-O. The book graduation day written by yours truly it's available on amazon as well as my other books uh we'll probably go into more detail just click that little author tab you'll see all the books out there but graduation day is the latest release that one is non-fiction the memoir uh things i've learned uh in my adult years thank you so much for saying all of that i i i got so inspired i was like Okay, even you will need those um, reminders that, yes, I know so many things are possible, even from my own life, but sometimes I forget that, that you can achieve so many things and do so many things and still be a regular human being who is not angry and unhappy. So you are an amazing reminder of, okay, Annie, what else can you do right now? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask myself that question and I'm going to journal about it. Thanks to you. Well, thank you. I mean, you doing your podcast, you have so many books yourself. And I mean, you work out like you find the time to make it all happen. Yes, but like we need those people who are doing more than we are doing. I love being around people, not all the time. If we are always in the company of the people who always know more than us, it's like we need the balance to also feel enough sometimes. But so often I love to be with the people who are like so much 
doing so much more than I am because I learned so much from them. And I love talking to people like you. I, I get really inspired. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Now, my last question. Leave me and listeners. It can be one or two sentences or simply just a word, but something that is on top of your heart. I always try to make my hometown proud. And whatever hometown it is for you, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. But if you move someplace, uh, sometimes you want to think about legacy. You think about what's going to happen when I, when I go. You want people to say, this person came here and they did this. And it was great. Whatever that may be for you. Mm, I love that because that is one of my values. Everywhere I lived, majority of the places, I I always knew the neighbors. I always knew like who were they dating or whatever, you know? So like you mentioning that it's just like, yes, yeah. so important. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. It's almost midnight there or maybe like past the yeah. midnight. Yeah, it's 20 to midnight, but it's okay. We're good. We're good. We're good. And just have a beautiful rest of the night to you, rest of the day to me and listeners, or maybe they, it's night wherever they are right now as well. Thank you. And until next time.